Five years ago, the immovable Glacier Legion was shattered at the port of Naka. Some of the survivors fled down the coast. Some, but not all. Some were stranded among the horrors of the wastes, alone in an unforgiving, haunted north. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, King Cat, and it's time to play games. It's time to play games. It is time to play games. Games time. I'm ready to play games. With me, Nick is here. I'm here. Kirsten's here. I'm also here. Where's Kathleen? Where's... Up, 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 up. Oh, there, there's Kathleen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. There, there she is. I found her. That's everybody. Mm-hmm. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the Westbreaker did what icebreakers do best. It broke ice. And then everybody felt like they knew each other a little bit better. It really helped. It helped a lot. Thank you, Westbreaker. It also actually kind of did. Yeah, it's the magic of Westbreaker. Look, the ship is a masterpiece. I think that Clara said that about six or seven times. Mm-hmm. And it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, it did. It did a very good job. It imp- everybody was impressed. Clara declared that she was a genius and nobody argued. And then the Westbreaker pulled up to the empty port of Naka. The party prepared some provisions and got ready to go ashore as the afternoon began to decline into evening. And that's where we're at. Yeah, we're now in the spooky town, the spooky ice town. Spooky ice town. It is the exact opposite of a spooky ice town out right now, listener, because we are recording this in summer. My favorite thing about Sword of Symphonies. So you always know which episodes are recorded in summer because Nick can't handle it. I very much can't handle it. You should go back and listen to all of our episodes that we recorded in the winter because those ones are are cool in more ways than one. <laughs> Nick, you can't get people to boycott episodes we recorded while it's hot out. I mean, you can't. no, but also, look, Nick is wishing that it was at least maybe a little more close to the weather that Cobb's in right now. Just a little bit. Speaking of the weather that Cobb is in, there is a steady, chill wind blowing constantly from the northwest. It pushes with unceasing pressure against one side of you as you walk. The exposed skin of your face begins to sting against one cheek. Tissa notices her breath condensing on the inside of her scarves and the scarves in front of her lips growing stiff as her breath freezes to them. The air is crystal clear, except, of course, the air in front of your faces, just fogged up by breaths too hot to exist in this world. The ice is thick enough to walk on, and walk on it you do. Previously, Penelope saw a hole in the ice. A round one. But for the most part, the ice gives absolutely no complaint that you walk over it. It is pure, opaque, white, and utterly immovable, like stone. Even though you walk on the surface of the ocean itself. The sun is bright, but is doing nothing. 
Cobb pulls his jacket up as close as he can and kind of mentions to Marcus, so are we here to hopefully find somebody, or are we moving along? Should we set up camp here? It would not be wise to stay in the city overnight. Mm, Understood. But part of our mission is to establish a staging point, a headquarters of some kind. So keep your eye out for a place we could fortify. Gotcha. Not a smart idea, but we're doing it anyways. Mm Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. I expected you would. (laughs) And Cobb kind of like readjusts his belt that he has his swords on and thinks to himself that it's going to be really awkward if they have to get into a fight because swords going to be cold. (laughs) Swords going to be cold. Swords are going to be very cold. Metal is not fun to deal with in the winter. Yeah. And you get stuck to it like the babby in Christmas story. Actually, having the sword stuck into your hand because your blood froze is pretty metal. That's profoundly metal. I don't know if that's actually, like, realistic, but it's profoundly metal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you just tried to grab the sword with a bare hand, it would probably just freeze to your skin anyways, so... Like, that's pretty metal, too. Yeah. That is also pretty metal, too. It's pretty metal. And doesn't metal kind of represent a higher truth? <laughs> yes, unironically, no further questions. <laughs> I will be taking no further questions, that is all. <laughs> But, yeah, I guess in that case, then Cobb is going to... I don't think Cobb saw the fishing hole, so Cobb is going to make his way over towards the city. And Cobb is going to roll uh, Perception Survival, while Penelope does other stuff, to try and find a place. All right. Or should this be a discovery roll? You know what? Make me some discovery rolls. Okay. I mean, discovery rolls are player discretion. They aren't usually things that I ask for. But now's a good time for them. Uh... Was adaptability useful again? Uh, yes. Adaptability is something useful. Okay, then Cobb is going to roll. Cobb rolls all of his dice on the floor. Hooray! Oh, no! Don't drop your dice on the floor. It's disruptive. (laughs) They don't count if they're on the floor. Uh, Cobb gets one success and one edge success. One success on an adaptability discovery roll. Well, if you can't think of anything now, you can go... Penelope can go see what's up while you, uh... Well, you come up with a fun thing. I have a pretty good idea. One success will let you see what Penelope saw, a hole in the ice. Oh, okay. And what you can see, first of all, it runs all the way down right to water. Second of all, there is some kelp frozen to the ice's surface. Someone's pulled something up recently. Penelope, what do you make of this? I'm not sure. I was just heading to look at it myself. It must have been, like, Kat, you were saying it's very, like, it's a, is it, like, really smoothly round? Like, looks made by people? Yeah. It, it, it looks like people made this, but I don't see a sign of anyone being here lately. Um, Marcus? Hmm? How long would it take? water to freeze once a hole like this is drilled. Mm. That's something that Cat doesn't know, and thus I don't know. <laughs> mm. I'm not Cat, but I am limited by her knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> if 
if all of my years of watching National Geographic about seals <laughs> has taught me anything, I think they actually do close up pretty quickly. Okay. So the surface of the hole then is not actually open to the water, but there is like kelp frozen to the surface. Hmm. And you can see that it has it frozen over into one solid sheet. You can see where there was a hole drilled that's frozen over. It wasn't made too, too long ago. Hmm. Yeah, this was certainly done by someone or something in the area. And from what I remember, horrors don't usually need food, but people do. So maybe someone is living here in this city. Perhaps. Either that or the seals have gotten really smart. I don't know much about seals. Seals are smart. I don't know if that actually translated or not. (laughs) No, it was good. (laughs) I like it. I know seals have to exist in this setting because Cat loves seals. This is true. You caught me. Anyways, Cobb then is kind of taking a look around and just sort of shakes his head and goes, well, with the wind blowing as hard as it is, any tracks are going to get blown away pretty quickly. So we're not going to be able to follow anything unless it was extremely recent. And he kind of looks back over their own tracks, which, depending if the wind is still keeping up, have probably started to disappear a little bit. Mm hmm. Yeah. This is a steady wind. I mean, I guess this is good to have here. I mean,. We could always reopen the hole up to try our luck at, at fishing. Um, you know, if we need more supplies. Yeah, if nothing else, it's a good spot to remember because if somebody is fishing here, they most likely know that fish will come to this spot. So it'll save us a lot of time looking around for an actual place to get fish from. Hmm. Can I get understanding survival rolls? You can, but I don't promise anything. Okay, well. Snake eyes. Like, no, I literally did roll snake eyes. All right. Okay, cool. Success and an edge. Okay, cool. Here's the thing. Cobb's difficulty was one. Everyone else's was two. Okay. Um, ah, no successes. Okay. The kelp you're looking at can be eaten. Mm. Not you, Kirsten, not you. (laughs) Tissa and Cobb, remember that it can be eaten and remember that there's something else important about it. Well, if I remember correctly, at least the... And Cobb just sort of kicks at the kelp. At least we can eat the green, but there's something I'm forgetting about it. You've seen it before? I, when there's something else important, it's it's either medicine or poison, generally. Well, I remember it's not poison, I think. Can I say Marcus is looking on in, like, shuddering horror at this horrible seaweed? He's actually, uh, I think he looks a little, like, a little stunned. Oh. He's definitely just kind of staring into the middle distance. Marcus, are you are you looking for something? Uh, we should go ashore. Mm. I think, I think Cobbler is right. Yes, let's uh, let's continue on. We know this hole is here if we need to fish or something. Mm. Right. 
And Caldas gives him a just big old slap on the back and nearly knocks him over. Like if he were in his right mind, he wouldn't have been caught off guard, but he is. And he sputters. Come on. Yeah, if nothing else is get out of this wind. Ah, mm. uh, right? It's just like, it cuts through you. Is this why you're like this? And Marcus kind of blinks. Is this what caused you to be like this? He grew up here. Did he ever tell you guys that? Hmm. Hmm. I, I didn't know that. It, uh, it, it never came up. Hmm. No, this was, um... Yes, this was my hometown. Kathleen will state for the record that Penelope was told that this was his hometown. <laughs> Whether or not she remembers is a different question, I suppose. Oh, I... It, Penelope... Kirsten, uh... Kirsten did, did uh... Forget, right, when they were looking over the maps. Right. Or... Mm. <laughs> Kirsten, Kirsten's brain does not remember. Penelope, Penelope does. I think, I think she, like, she's, um, yeah. So Penelope, uh, yeah. Kirst, Kirsten's brain did not. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Let's get out of the wind before we all turn into Marcus's. Mm. <laughs> Tissa is going to roll understanding as a discovery roll. Okay. A success and edge success. I don't think that I need to say more than one success for a discovery roll. Nope, not especially. So a discovery on understanding is something relevant. There are footprints. Or at least there are even regular markings in the ice. They are deep. They are gouges. As if made from a set of blades. Further down the ice, there's a deep, deep track scored into it. Even further away, there's a series of holes that looks like they were made by a dozen tiny hand drills. Tissa's kind of pointing them out and like sort of making motions with her spear, trying to think about like, what is that scrape like? Is this like a sled? Is this a trap of some sort. Is this a fracture in the ice, which is probably her first thought before she realizes that they're man-made or artificial anyway. Do they lead anywhere? They lead around. They kind of meander around on the ice. Hmm. Are any of those machine things uh, still around here? Hmm. No, not last I heard. Mm. There were certainly none at the original battle. Okay. That's, that's, that's good. That's not to say there might not be some remnants buried here, but they haven't been unearthed. But I just don't... Mm, I don't think this looks planned. We should keep walking. Mm. Mm. Yeah, let's keep our eyes open. I don't appreciate these obviously artificial, but not with human intelligence behind the markings. Nor do I. Can we tell when we make it to the shore? You can. If only because now there are buildings sticking up out of the opaque whiteness all around you. They 
they too are opaque and white. Uh, most of the buildings here are built of limestone. Their creamy color kind of casts an odd contrast against the snowy white of the ice and snow of the far north. Oh, thank goodness. We're going to get some indoors. Well, don't expect indoors to be very warm, but it will at least be out of the elements. Mm. Mm. If we can, let's try and find a place that we can easily convert into some sort of encampment. Maybe a city hall if it's nearby or an, or an old inn or a warehouse or something like that. City hall is far from here, up the hill. Um, I don't know much about the warehouses. Well, if it's anything no. like most port towns, there should be some around here. Hmm. How, how big is this town? Not large. It was only a town of a couple thousand when I lived here. That seems like a lot. That's pretty... That's a big town. And the population declined steadily. And then the town was lost. But mm. Mm. Cobb is going to make an understanding navigation role to try and find, or at least maybe piece out in his mind where uh, like a warehouse or other like dockside storage facility would be that they could use as a base. Okay. Uh, Cobb got one success. One success will tell you that they're usually not far from the docks and that in one direction you can see what is clearly residential. So it's probably the other direction. Yeah, Cobb will point that out then and says, looks like houses down that way. We can probably find a place to uh, set up shop, as it were, and keep our stuff over in this direction. Stay close, everybody. Yeah, right. Definitely. <laughs> Three successes on sensitivity spirits. How spooky is everything? Profoundly. But sensitivity spirits is going to tell you something else. Let me just think about what it's going to tell you with my brain and my heart and my feelings. Mm -hmm. With your spirit? <laughs> <laughs> what three successes is going to tell you is that everything is profoundly, profoundly spooky. This place is haunted. And come nightfall, that haunting will become readily apparent. You can almost feel the horrors approaching in the soil. You can also feel an unevenness in the magic of the place. Hmm. It is not all the same magic throughout the city. There is something toward the hill. It feels like something broke here. And I... Yes, that was dumb to say. No. No, you are correct. But there's something on the hill, too. And it's different. Tissa is looking around a little bit and sort of is having a hard time piecing things together. And I think that like, it's clear that she doesn't have her normal sense of balance between walking on the snow and just everything being profoundly, profoundly haunted. It's deeply haunted. Tissa, are you all right? 
have to be. Mm. Penelope casts a nervous glance up towards the hill that Tissa mentions. Mm. It's, uh... Unfortunately, I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to make it up there anytime soon, so not with this weather. So what are the spell pieces in this section? They are ice, sunlight, hollow, and sorrowing. Insert Dark Souls noise here. Insert Dark Souls noise here. And then we find a fire, except it's got a twisted sword in it. Yeah, and it's been out, but you can you can fix that. <laughs> so what do we find as we trudge toward the warehouses that we assume are the way that we're trudging? You are trudging toward the warehouses. And what you find is... Yeah, true to Cobb's instincts, the smaller, uh, they look like office buildings, start to give way to long, low warehouses with large doors easy to move goods in and out of and sharply slanted roofs so the snow doesn't collect and cave them in. A couple of them are caved in regardless. Looks like, looks like we found a, found a good place to hunker down. I hope. That one, I think, probably wasn't, but maybe this one is? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit big, but we'll see what it looks like inside, I guess. And Caldas walks up and tries to open the door. It is frozen shut. Kind of half-heartedly throws his weight against it a couple times. Uh, no good. Hmm. Is it locked? I think it's probably frozen shut. Tissa, can you give us a hand with this? Mm. I think we're going to go with hollow heat to get us into a thing that's hollow on the inside. Okay. What does it look like? Tissa walks up to the door and plants her spear in the ground and sort of leans against the building and everyone can hear a bit of a low low hum that you kind of hear in your chest or in your head as the building shakes itself slowly and the ice departs from this door anyway Tissa and the building are kind of resonating together and bringing some motion back to this dead place. I think I'm going to ask you for a scatter for that. Just one. Great. We're opening a door. I guess that should have been hollow speaking. Ooh, I like Ooh. hollow speaking. Because I, I got the idea of, like, resonating. I, I was thinking heat because heat in physics is about the amount of motion in a thing. But, like, if I'm talking about resonance, speaking works better. Yeah, I, I think I prefer hollow speaking for that effect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hollow speaking. Yeah. And before we open the door, I think Penelope's going to cast Restoring Sunlight to bring like sort of a bit of a sunlight glow into the into the warehouse. Okay. Penelope is casting what is effectively a light spell. I'm going to ask for one scatter for that as well. All right. And you push open the door to the warehouse. All right, everybody. Stay close. Mm. It is... Until Penelope's light hits it, pitch black. There are no windows in this place. 
There are. They're long since covered in snow and ice. No good to anyone. It is about half the size of the Westbreaker's deck. A cavernous room. Can't see all the edges from where you stand. There are crates. When they were put there or what they contained, who knows? The entire place is thick with dust. And it smells of abandonment. It doesn't smell rotten. Or maybe I can't tell it. It's very cold. Mm. Anything perishable in here may not be rotten, but it's certainly not edible. Cobb is also going to need to probably make a survival roll here soon to know that snow is an insulator, because I know that. I don't think mm. Cobb knows that. Ah. Cobb is not a uh, wailing arcanist. This is true. Of course, Marcus probably knows that. Yes. He knows lots of stuff about snow. We can make a big snow fort. Snow fort, snow fort. I suppose that's what, in fact, his job is, is make a snow fort. Snow fort. That is a little of the reason why we're here, to essentially make a big snow fort. Snow fort. Snow fort. Or snort. Nope. <laughs> Unfortunately, that portmanteau just turned into a regular word. <laughs> Invalid. Uh. Invalid. Uh, Kirsten, does Penelope want to do anything? Okay, so we have a light, at least we can see in the place. She's just uh, keeping her eyes out. I have a question for you. Is Polly with you? Because this door is large enough for a Polly. Yeah, Polly's coming in. She doesn't super like indoor spaces, but this is like large enough that she's not too confined. Yeah, and she's been kind of ruffling her feathers and just fussing, and she does seem to not like the wind. It's very, it's very cold. May I posit that between Pollyanna's winter coat and plumage and the fact that it's very cold, so she's actively flopping them up, she is maybe a good 20% bigger. Yeah, I absolutely, yes. Yes, I am down with that. She's extremely fluffy and a little bit shaggy looking, but a big, fluffy, soft princess. Well... Well, we opened, so I guess we go in. Mm. Yeah. I guess our first step is to set up a base of operations, right? May as well be here. Yeah, hopefully we can find something combustible in here so we can we can get a fire going and we don't freeze to death out here. Caldas mutely points at the crates. Yeah, fair enough. I'll get to work busting some of them up. And Cobb is going to get to work busting some of the crates up for... Uh, for firewood. Penelope will help as well. How on earth are we supposed to fortify this place? Marcus kind of starts pacing. What's in the crates, by the way? Um, the first crate that you bust open is full of metal bars. Just like raw steel. Hmm. Huh. The next crate that you bust open is full of Bottles. Corked bottles. Do they have stuff inside? Like... Yeah. Liquor? Maybe. Hmm. 
Penelope's gonna actually, like, take out one of the bottles and take a look at it. Yeah. It, uh, looks like wine, yeah. Hmm. I wonder if this is any good. Like, any good still. Is that wine? How long has it been here? Beats me. At least six years. It might be real good. It also might be vinegar. I'll leave it to you. Let me know if it's good. Penelope pops the cork and takes a sniff. Okay. If it's wine, it should be frozen. If it's fortified wine, it should still probably be frozen. Or maybe slushy. If it's liquor, it probably won't be frozen. Okay. So it is slushy. There are crystals uh, that move around in it as you swirl it. It smells like wine. Hmm. Smells like it's still okay. She's gonna take a swig. It is extremely potent. (laughs) I rolled fortified wine. Oh, that's got a kick to it. Anybody else want to give it a try? Yep. Caldus is right there. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. Actually, that's that's not bad. Penelope takes a second swig. Hmm. I'm feeling a little warmer already. Caldus takes a drink and just sighs. <sighs> okay, that that feels that feels better. <sighs> I, nah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I just. I don't suppose you want a drink. And Marcus shakes his head and raises a hand and goes back to his pacing. Yeah. As various figures and trigonometry and some signs and integral signs float past Tissa's head, she watches Marcus pacing and wants to know how to ask him what happened in the fight without asking that because she knows that that's a bad idea to be triggering PTSD episodes out here. That's an extremely bad idea. And that's going to be, uh, should it be a sensitivity or understanding humanity plus empathy? Um, I would let you do either. Okay. Two successes. Um, two successes will tell you that he's kind of already thinking about it. Mm -hmm. What happened at Naka is always difficult for him to talk about. You can look back and think of times that he has been evasive or trailed off or just plain kind of refused to answer questions. Mm -hmm. It is not something he likes to talk about. But if you were to approach it from like a tactics standpoint it might be easier to convince him to say something about it. How... Right now, they're gonna come from everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you... How did you fight them? Our... last stand was... on the hill. The high ground. We had several locations fortified along the ridge. Uh, I was... I was at City Hall. And... We had ample time 
We knew it was coming. There were blocks. We shored up the walls as best we could. We lit fires. We took shifts. But the ridge meant that they were funneled from one direction, which allowed us to hold out longer than we would have otherwise. Would have? Would have held out? If we had been unable to exert even that little amount of control over it, we would have fallen sooner. Mm. All the strongholds on the ridge fell. Mm. City Hall fell first. Then the temple gave out. The school gave out. And that was that. One after the other. We can hide here, I think, but I don't know if this place can withstand them. I... I can't... uh, What even can? It's... They're everywhere. When he stops pacing, there's a set to his jaw. He turns suddenly. I have to find them. Okay. If there are survivors here, then they've found a place. Yeah. Cobbler's right. The sea will protect us from one side. They don't like to travel far on the ice. They do travel on it. But I... I have to find them. If they're here, I have to find them. Yes. And, like, this is a thing that Tissa just just understands. So we keep moving. I keep moving. And Caldas gives the bottle back to Penelope and gives a large, exaggerated stretch of his shoulders. And, yeah. I guess I'm going to be on the move, too. Can't leave this guy on his own. Who knows what he'll do? We stick together. Penelope takes one last swig. You know, you can bring it with you. Oh. Tucks it into her coat and shawls and everything. Cobb has kind of appeared at this point behind Marcus and just sort of goes, So, enemies all around don't know where to turn, eh? Did I ever tell you what I used to do? You have studiously avoided it. Well, let me just say, keeping your head down, but getting the job done while everybody is looking for you, well, that's what the Pirates of the Crimson Sail were good at. Pirates of the Crimson Sail? Yes, that was us. 
and Cobb just kind of uh, holds out an arm that he's wrapped his sailcloth around. Where do you think I got the bandana from, Marcus? I knew. (laughs) (laughs) You're... How can I put this, cobbler? You are among the least subtle human beings I've ever met. Penelope raises her hand. Worse even than Miss Hunter. (laughs) Worse even than Caldas. No, I take that back. I'm sorry. But I do remember a lot about what we had to do. And I think I might be able to help us get to where we're going. And Cobb is going to roll Daring Tactics. All right. You need to know when to be a little crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Cobb got two successes and one edge success. You know what? Two successes and one edge success will give you a root. What exactly that root is, we're going to find out next time. But for now, I think it's memory time. Okay, the jingle is played in my head. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I love how everyone, like, we can all hear it. Oh, you do 45, 46 of these. Well, and plus KTW. So you do, you do, yeah. You get used to it. It's nice. Yeah. And then you take five seconds to try to think about what your memory is, and you're still trying to put everything together. Yeah. I, I liked Marcus's and Tissa's little sort of heart-to-heart there, trying to trying to figure out where to go and how to go forward. Yeah, me too. I liked that Cultus was willing to try the mystery bottle of wine as well. Yeah. Yeah, I liked the Caldus Penelope bonding scene. That was very sweet, actually. <laughs> well, I went on an emotional roller coaster with the hole in the ice because my initial thought when hole in the ice happened last episode was, oh, oh, this is where an enemy comes from. And then we investigated more, and it maybe it's not. Or maybe it is. Maybe it's not, or maybe it is. Us, everyone. <laughs> I think Meta Kirsten is more concerned about the whole of the ice than Penelope, because Meta Kirsten's like, who is here? What's It looks abandoned, but yet this is relatively recent. Like, that's uh, signs of definite, um, could be trouble. We shall see. Could be. Who knows? We'll find out next time. Or will we? Not me. I don't know. (laughs) We'll all find out together, listener. (laughs) Don't mind me turning the page in my notes. It's fine. It's all Uh, fine. Everything's going to be fine. Nothing bad ever happens. Nope. Totally, totally safe. Totally safe us, everyone. If you know what's the deal with the hole in the ice, or if you know how fast ice freezes over, <laughs> you can let us know on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or using the email form on our website at peachgardengames.com. Yeah. And either way, we'd love to hear from you. 
Also, if you just have fun facts about seals, hmm? we want those too. Oh, I'd love some fun facts about seals. Sometimes, like, listener, you might not think that we're serious when we entreat you about these things. But I, Kathleen, want to know about seals. We have, um, we do have a listener who will occasionally send me Twitter messages with responses to these questions. And it's, uh, it's wonderful every single time. We're not messing with you. <laughs> We're not messing with you. We love to hear from you. We genuinely want to know. Yes, you. I mean, who doesn't like seals? Come on. They're adorable. And if you don't like seals, uh, that's a story I'd like to hear. Yeah. I'd also like to give... I would like to give, but I am slightly obligated to give, but I would like to give a shout out to our friends at the Big Gay Roll Dice Network. We love them. Woo-woo. Check out their shows, too. Yeah, we've got mm-hmm. some cool new friends. Yeah. You all will be hearing or will have heard Landon. Depending. <laughs> He's neat. We, uh, we did a test drive of a new role-playing game. That we created and had a wonderful time. Kirsten. Hmm? That episode has probably already gone live. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what honor I'm going to do. We don't know. (laughs) The future is still indeterminate. It's a mystery. We are still trapped in the waveform, dear listener, from our point of view. How will it have collapsed? (laughs) Let us know. <laughs> Let us know on Twitter at Peach Gardener. <laughs> I don't understand time or the sequence of events. Times arrow and entropy. Entropy. What is entropy? It's all confusing when you're in podcast land. Oh, happy Canada Day, Kirsten. <laughs> Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Hi, welcome to the Eternity Archives, an actual play podcast where we take on the role of archivists working for an interdimensional library that catalogs and protects the fabric of reality. As archivists, we are tasked with journeying out into the realms, taking on characteristics of people from that reality, and remedying whatever issues may be causing a disturbance in the dimension. Every arc we'll be playing a different RPG, maybe even returning to systems we like later on, but this is a fun way for us as players and you as listeners to explore and learn about different tabletop systems. We'll discuss the roles, create sheets for our characters, and play a short campaign to get a feel for the game. Afterwards, we'll do a bit of discussion. We'll talk about what we liked and didn't like, and what we'd know to do better next time. I'm Kite, and I am playing Real de Drakel, and they are a tiefling nerd. I'm Siva. I am playing Linda, the lovable office lady. And I'm Dorka. My character is Zen, the barbarian lizard princess. Let's get down to some actual playing. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's go, boys. This is the Eternity Archives. Archives.